Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simonchov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Happy Hanukkah! It is still Hanukkah. Today is our season of lights show. And I have to tell you, Hanukkah is all about spirit. It's all about the light. It's all about dispelling darkness. And no, that is not oxymoronic. The world has changed. The world has been hijacked by something that we cannot touch. Should we sit in despair? Should we sit in depression? Or should we sit back, look, and say, where is the light? Where does opportunity lie? What can I do to make my days valuable? If we will all remember last Hanukkah, and last Hanukkah was the Hanukkah where we could not believe it. We couldn't believe it was still happening. You know what? Disappointments happen. What do I mean by that? Boys and girls, Wednesday night, I was supposed to get on a plane and travel to my second home, Johannesburg, South Africa. Guess what? Surprise, surprise. I have been canceled, stopped, told no by Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and by Emirates Air and by the CDC. I'm not going to South Africa now. Meetings are canceled. Presents are piled up in my dining room. It's not going to happen. I had a moment where I sort of felt that I was on a treadmill trying to run for five kilometers, 10 kilometers, and someone pulled out the plug and I'm still pulsing. I'm still jumping. You know what? It's time to regroup. I need time to recover. But you know what? It's all going to be okay. There were surprises. We went camping this past Shabbos. We had no electricity. We had no water. We had crazy Russians playing music next door to us. It could have been bleak. It could have been horrible. And then I remembered Hanukkah was coming. And it is the season of lights. When we come back, we're going to talk about Hanukkah. We're going to talk about the Torah portion. And we're going to talk about the passing of the incomparable Stephen Sondheim. My name is Andrea Simintov. See you on the other side. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Hi, we are back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, so I also want to say hi. South Africa is back. 
joining us. Um, I'm so sad this morning, but we don't hang out in sadness. I'm sad because I will not be coming, at least as my uh, as I had predicted this week. I was supposed to land in South Africa on the 8th, Wednesday, right after Hanukkah, and those flights have been canceled. I did not cancel it. Emirates Air canceled it. Naftali Bennett canceled it. The world the world of aviation seems to have canceled it. Okay, we're going to talk fast today because we have a lot to cover. We have an incredible Shabbos coming up, which absolutely, not accidentally, not mysteriously, correlates with uh, Hanukkah, the Parsha, the Torah portion of Miketz. And we have a lot to talk about Hanukkah, light, and when disappointments happen. Little things, little things in the realm of day to day. Did you ever get up and say, oh my, you know, today's supposed to be a good day. I don't know why I'm in a funk. I don't know why I'm in such a blue mood. It was always possible that the airline was going to cancel, the world, the powers that be were going to cancel, cancel my visit to a child who I haven't seen in two years. To a grandchild I have not met, uh, to the family of my daughter's partner that I was anxious to get to know. It's a little bit like when those things happen. It's like you're running on a treadmill, and this time I'm going to get fit, and I'm on a five-kilometer journey, and I'm running and I'm running. No, I'm going for 10 kilometers, and someone comes along and pulls the plug. You're kind of still running. Then you collapse. Sometimes you fall on your butt and you stare ahead in shock. Just the electricity went off. The world didn't change. You're alive. You're breathing. You're vibrant. But somehow it takes a little bit of time to recover. I went away this past Shabbos. I went camping. As those of you who are regular listeners know, I do love to get away every once in a while. We have an old hippie caravan. I don't know what you call them. In the, we call it a caravan here. Although uh, a Facebook friend of mine scolded me and said, no, 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 it's a trailer because it trails behind. But anyway, we have this kind of hipster trailer that we go on. Very nice. Guess what? We hadn't used it in months and the axle seemed to be dragging. It weighed a lot. Every time we went over a speed bump, really slowly, it made a terrible scraping noise. We plugged it in. The water in the shower pooled. The electricity went out. We parked it in a lovely new kind of trailer area. And some neighbors, it was supposed to be quiet, music-free. They were blasting the most vulgar rock music and rap lyrics we went to the, you know, the administration, turn it down. They put it back up. My husband ran out for a bicycle ride. He lost his glasses. Everything seemed bleak. Everything seemed wrong. At the last minute, we had enough electricity for me to cook. He found his glasses. Of course, when we went back to bring the caravan to the repair shop, maybe this needs to be looked at, we were quoted a price we could buy a new caravan for the price and yet we agreed to fix it. Things can be readdressed. There's always light. You know, the one thing about light 
the miracle is that when you take away from light, when you borrow, you take one candle and you take from a lit candle, you don't diminish the first. You just add to the world. It is so different from other sources of energy and other elements that are out there. You take somebody's electricity, you plug too many things in, the electricity might go. You turn on too many faucets, guess what? The water gets weaker. Not so with light. One more pouring from my heart. Hanukkah. I have so much more times, fewer clients. People are very busy with family. And I had a granddaughter over and the granddaughter said, Grandma, please, my mommy says that you should show me pictures of her youth. I thought, well, that will be fun. Mm, mm, difficult, can open up, can open up wounds. You see in photographs, you see your youth, you see previous beauty, you see a previous weight, which was, of course, very alarming. But you also see the early dreams you have. You see it in the faces and the pictures and things that looked right and wonderful and how things changed, how children did not turn out the way or take on behaviors that you would necessarily have chosen for them. I remember after looking at these pages, my husband came home after looking at these photographs I came home, I was in a funk last night. I was really in a funk. I went to bed and I dreamed. I dreamed about parenting. How many of us who have been blessed with parenting look back and wish we could have done things over again? And in my dreams, of course, we're going to talk about the dreams of Yosef. Okay. In my dreams, I was a different mommy. I was more of a mommy than I would be today if I had the opportunity to do it again. I awakened. I awakened bruised, but clearer. I awakened sore, but kinder. Kinder to my husband for his occasional silences. Kinder to my children, but most importantly, kinder to myself. My friends, every waking moment, it is about the light on days that are blue on days that are funky on days when disappointments happen just ask yourself not where is my passion that's a different day but ask my ask yourself where is the light as long as you can find that light even just a little glimmer of a match you are on a road to holiness and and healing. Okay, talking about the light, we must mention in this very lofty, very light-filled, very Torah-filled show, um, we must talk about the passing of the great musical bard, probably the only one in his generation, Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim passed away this past week at the age of 91. Um, just Google him find out most of the songs you hum, most of the recent Broadway shows, unbelievable. He was absolutely really 
a gift, a Shakespeare of the musical world. Someone sent me, an editor friend in New York, sent me a photograph of Stephen Sondheim listening to music in his Manhattan apartment in 1969 with also Laura Nero, a great bard of music. I'm going to give you a hint about today's show, this black and white photo, these two extremely talented, not accidental Jews listening to music together. And my hint is, this is the left hand. The left hand, yes. Later on, find the clue and (laughs) tell me that you got it. All right, on Hanukkah, we're going to go through Hanukkah. We all lit the candles. We drove through the streets. We saw them in the windows. Do not mix up Hanukkah ever with the non-Jewish holiday that starts with CH. It is a different holiday, has nothing to do with one another. Hanukkah, again, is not the Jewish Xmas. Hanukkah stands by itself proudly, vibrant, and it is all about perseverance, light, and faith in Hashem. On the first night, when we said the blessing for the miracles, the reason we did it is we can feel the miracle that happened on that first Hanukkah when we think about the holiness of the menorah and its light. The fact was that at the time of that first Hanukkah, the Jews didn't have enough oil. We know this. They lit a menorah anyway. They didn't say there's not enough oil, don't light, maybe we need to do some cooking. No, they found it and they did it. What is that telling us? It's telling us that we can change our world by using what we have. Not any two of us are the same, but every one of us has a place inside that is pure, holy, a place that can never ever be defiled. There's no such thing as a bad child a bad man. There are bad behaviors, and this has to do with the Hanukkah light. You know, in our times, we don't have an ancient menorah. We don't have a pure oil sealed by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. What we have is the way that of resonation. What we have touches us generation after generation. People who see that menorah and feel some kind of holiness, and some kind of hope. When you look at the menorah and you notice that seven small cups contain oil and the wicks, you have no choice but to light it. Mitzvahs, the commandments are like those small cups. They are the places that give our soul opportunity to sing, opportunity to express our love of God, our awe of heaven, and indeed, our delight in one another. The lights of a menorah is what makes it possible to bring God's God's presence and light into our world. My name is Andrea Simintov. So much more when we come back.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, we're back. Wow, I'm getting excited. My name is Andrea Simichov, and uh, you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. By the way, anything I say, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to experience you'd like to share with me directly, feel free to drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, which, let me digress a second. I did have one funny experience. Did receive a letter from a listener I got a letter from it. It was Sunday night. We were back. We were schlepping back our caravan, driving very slowly. And I open up this letter, and it's from a listener who's written before. And he loved the show, and but wanted me to repeat, to kind of uh, expound a little bit more on something that I said, except I couldn't remember saying it. And I said, oh, my gosh, am I not listening to what I'm saying? And I said, wow, I'm almost home. I must get home and go over my show notes. This is not fair. And then two minutes later, I received another email from him. And he said, oops, it was another presenter on the station. It was a different show. So <laughs> he still wished me happy Hanukkah. So it was good. I'm not totally losing it yet. All right. So we talked about... Um, before we went to break, we talked about making it possible for us to bring God's presence into everything we do and bringing light into our world. My husband often, Ronnie, often gets upset when he hears people saying that they're depressed. It seems to be a catchphrase. I don't know, before 1978 or so, I never heard anybody being depressed. They might have been depressed, but nobody talked about it. No, that's not true in college in the early 70s, a lot of people who were depressed. But what he said was that he had lived, he knew and he viewed firsthand some people close to him who were actually living with real depression, chronic depression. And what he said to me was that when somebody is truly depressed, they cannot see the light. Somebody who has no hope, you know, the light is at the end of the tunnel, one more day, wait five seconds. People who have deal, God forbid, think about taking their own lives. They cannot see that little flash. They really are enmeshed in darkness. What he really was saying to me was, use your language carefully. Don't banter about a word like depression because it diminishes people who are truly suffering. The Torah, consequently, addresses itself to real people, real individuals who have different experiences, different gifts, different deficits, 
people whose lives are unique. And the Torah speeches to every one of us in our own language. The language of this week is the language of lighting the menorah. The Hashmonaim knew this. They recognized that the echo of what Hanukkah meant, the power of Hanukkah is still with us today when we light that menorah. You know, the actual menorah that was used in the base Hamikdash, the holy temple, is hidden. It's still hidden deep under the temple mount. What does that say to us? It says that there is a menorah, a spiritual menorah, hidden deep inside every one of us, waiting for us to ignite it, not just Hanukkah, but every day, to make a flame, to blow just that little wisp of oxygen into it, to light that pit de la yid, and to continue to inspire us daily. That light of Torah, it's there. Whether we've actually learned Torah or not, every one of us has that portion within us, and it belongs to you. You do not have to be a scholar. You have to be willing to find your own light. So these are the days, actually, it's sort of like opening up the health club for a free week. Um, You get to try out all the classes. This week of Hanukkah, we can try to ignite our light in order to know what it feels like for the rest of the year to celebrate, to ignite, to burst open that holy, the holiness. But there's still a problem. This problem is actually pointed out by Rebetzin Tsipora Heller Gottlieb, who I had the great fortune of reading a lot of this week and listening to her. Rebetzin Heller says, you can't feel a miracle when you are unable or unwilling or unaware of anything except for the physical sensations and that material reality that fit into a box called nature. Oh, it's nature. It's natural events. You can't fill a cup with water, says Rebetzin Heller Gottlieb. If it's, you can't fill a, oh, that's it. You can't fill a cup with wine if it's already filled with water. Hanukkah allows us to step out of our natural world just for at least this time, and find ourselves suddenly feeling something of those miracles that happened so many years ago. They're here. They're now. Hanukkah is not a story of what was. It what was in order to help us remember, to know, to embrace, and to indeed imbibe what is. Very cute story. Um, came across. Not all jewelers are equally skilled. It's a story about a young woman. She gets her engagement diamond and um, she's very happy. She gets, I think she's having a Friday night Shabbos dinner and she gets up to help her in-laws, her new mother-in-law clear the table and she looks at her hand and gasp. The ring is on her finger, but the diamond is missing. There's a gaping hole in the middle of the setting. Everybody in the house joins in the search. You would be surprised (laughs) how tiny, how big a two-carat diamond is on your hand, but how little it is when you're looking through shag carpets and a lot of furniture. When it was last seen in the kitchen before washing for the bread and that it could have moved to any room on a lower floor. 
when one of the brand new brothers-in-law, who is not even four years old, he finds a shiny object, he's rewarded by a very big hug and a big piece of chocolate. Everybody else, including the bride, the sigh of the relief was all about the diamond and that feeling of joy about the circle that had finally closed. For the four-year-old, it's about a hug. It's about chocolate. It's about being special. Is that the end of the story? Duh. You're listening to Andrea. Of course not. The miracle of Hanukkah was that amazing victory of a small family against a giant empire. In the course of only a few days, the rest of the Jewish people woke up. Some actually joined in the search themselves for the oil. Others didn't. But even the most integrated Hellenist, the most assimilated Yid, could not act as if nothing had happened. The day they entered the table, the temple, nobody expected to find oil. So much had been destroyed. Everything had been defiled. It all felt so over. But you know what they did? They kept looking. That warm moment of embrace came. It was there. It wasn't enough, but it was there. That embrace stayed lit until the message of the miracle penetrated deeply enough to still be felt. What is this candle? What is this candle that burns within us? It is this human soul. God searches for every Jewish soul. If you get nothing out of today's program, I beg you to absolutely understand that you are not alone in this world. The word for search has the same numerical value. Jews are very big into gematria, what numbers mean. The word search has the same number value as the world's menorahs. Your candle shows the light of God's candle, your soul. Your personal menorah has one thing to say to you every single day. As you say when you get up in the morning prayer, the soul you gave within me is pure and always will stay pure. When that holy temple was with us, we would have felt we couldn't have ignored the presence of God in our lives. Today, we have to do with the equivalent searching for God's life force within a candle, external or internal. That diamond is there to be found. This is where we get to the left hand. Remember my Sondheim Nero illusion? The left hand is generally the less dominant of the two. And when you talk about the reward that the Torah can give you, the left hand is the hand that gives us wealth, prestige. For so many people, the left hand is what life is all about. But on the flip side, that right hand, that stronger dominant hand, gives us longevity. This world is compared to a left hand. While Olam Haba, the world to come, is a place where time stands still and it is unending compared to that right hand. The main test we have while still in this world is to push aside the unending demand for more and more wealth, greater status, all that temporary goodness and goodies that are there for us, but just out of reach. 
That's why the proper place for the mezuzah is on the right side, and the proper place for a menorah is on the left side. When we come back, we're going to talk about freedom, what it means to us, and what Hanukkah tells us about freedom. Remember, the beauty, the fun, the music, the fashion, and even the politics belong to the left. But our essence is indeed the right. Andrea Simintov, see you on the other side. Are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone? I'm not afraid to offend you. Wow, look who's talking tough. One has to be tough to keep sane today. Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky. And I'm Bela Seabrow. And join us every Wednesday for The Definitive Wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment but actually destroy our freedoms. We are the No Wolf Zone, so buckle up for this exciting show. Buckling up, but I'm driving. (laughs) Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator. Tune in for the no-nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio. And we're back. Okay, Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, Israel News Talk Radio. Dot com. Just don't shut the computer today. You are where you belong. All right. Um, in finishing up our little Hanukkah story, I may be speaking very fast this last segment. There's so much to talk about. Okay. So the rabbis of the Talmud, they taught us that people to whom wondrous things occur don't actually recognize these events as being wondrous. It's part of the weakness of human nature to have this kind of limited understanding um, there has to be like this flash of insight, uh, <laughs> forgive me, an Oprah aha moment, a commemorative act, a tradition of being able to look past the trees to the forest, the spirit of an almost kind of a, a childlike wonder in order for the amazing to truly be believable in the eye and in the mind of the beholder. Um, you know, just even the, the, the fact that Israel exists today, the commemoration of that event and all of the traditions and customs that so endeared this eight-day festival to all of Israel that are occurring today in Eretz Israel. Don't take that lightly. Jewish tradition and the rabbis of the Mishnah, they took this amazing event that many people would look at as being ordinary or natural and whoop-de-doo, you found some oil. And they brought it to its wondrous state. The story of Hanukkah is that of a small and apparently weak nation overcoming a mighty army of a world empire. It records a triumph of monotheism, one God and Jewish tradition over a prevailing pagan culture and practices. Not to be separated from the pagan cultures of today. The small, pure light of the temple that overcame flaming tortures, torches that were far from pure. The schwitz, the glitter, the glamour, 
the vitality and resilience of Israel over those who would wish to snuff it out of existence. Has anything really changed? All of it is wondrous, but it's only wondrous if you view it all as being miraculous. You know, in their holy persistence, um, you know, the rabbis drilled home their take on Jewish life and the events that elevated the mundane and seemingly ordinary to the realm of miraculous and eternal. We do this every single week when we close out our, our Sabbath. We separate what is holy to the profane. Um, it's basically the main lesson that Hanukkah teaches us. We're special. We live a miraculous existence with a fire burning within. And Hanukkah teaches us that, that wonder to never, ever extinguish that light. Do not let it go. Instead, grab onto it every day to delegitimize the story of Hanukkah and to treat it as just this ancient war of the Grecian period. That's the same tactic, boys and girls, that the world uses today to delegitimize, thank you, that's English, the state of Israel and our rights to our ancient homeland. If the wonder of it all is lost and forfeited, then so is our struggle for existence and independence. Hanukkah, don't overthink it. It's pure wonder. That's the importance and the relevance to us in today's world. Perhaps more than any other holidays of the Jewish year, Hanukkah is a children's holiday. It's all about the yingalas. Tradition allows even the youngest to light his or her menorah, to play dreidel, to taste the latkes, the potato pancakes and the donuts, to have time off from school and to observe the holiday through the eyes and senses of a child. It is a time for all of us to get down to the floor, spin that dreidel and play with raisins or pennies or shekels. Um, we know what we've been keeping those five agarot pieces for. Children have a lot to teach us. They still retain their sense of wonder and imagination. Their world is not usually bound by the practicalities, realism, and indeed, as I opened the show with, the pessimism of their elders. Everything in life in the eyes of a child is new, unexpected, worthy of curiosity and examination. A child's world is should, could be a magical world, even spiritually, viewed from a different plane of perception and thought. Hanukkah is a perfect holiday for children and the child within us. It requires perspective. Hanukkah is not for the jaded, not for those who know better than, not for those whose spirits are empty. The candles flicker only for those that see that fire of Torah, tradition, and yes, that antiquated word, morality, that lies beneath the small surfaces. One who can, who's privileged and able to see that wonder, the miracle of events that occurred to us in those days, will also be able to to discern the wonders that we encounter every day here in Israel, in our 
time. Happy Hanukkah. Okie doke. Let's see. In the time I have allotted, let's talk about the Parsha. And let me know what you think about um, about the connection between Hanukkah and... Okay. This week's Parsha, the Torah portion, is called Miketz. Now, in the view of the sages, Yosef, and you know we're going to use the Hebrew names here, stay with us, Yosef is Joseph. He had to spend an additional two years in prison because as we read in the last week's Torah portion, he urged the cheap cupbearer, um, very funny, when I was growing up, we called him the winemaker, but it was cupbearer, not once. Remember, he was imprisoned with the cupbearer and the bread maker, the baker. Um, but he asked the cupbearer, he was still in prison, and he said when the cupbearer was being released and his death sentence was commuted, he said, remember me to Paro, to Pharaoh, after Yosef favorably interpreted the cupbearer's dream. This apparent punishment of Yosef seems to be kind of at odds with the accepted principle in Judaism that one may not rely on a miracle. Remember the story, um, the guy who is on his roof, the, there's a flood, and people say, get into the boat, and they say to him again, get into the boat, the flood's coming up. Then they sell a helicopter, say, and he says, no, 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 I have faith, God is going to save save me. And eventually he gets to heaven, and he says to God, I don't mean to, like, you know, pick a bone with you, but like, what happened? I had faith. And God says, what do you want from me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Well, it's the same idea. One has to have complete faith in Hashem, but must at the same time never fail to exhaust all appropriate self-help measures. Some commentators explain that there was, in fact, nothing inherently wrong with Yosef asking the cup bearer for help. However, because Joseph was so righteous, he was judged by a far um, a higher standard, and his actions were examined very, very strictly. Um, as the sages say, God is scrupulous with the righteous, even to a single hair, a demanding virtual perfection from the righteous ones. You know, you and I, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can ask two or three times. The seeking of help from the cupbearer, otherwise acceptable, was unacceptable in the case of a tzaddik like Yotzef. Tzaddik is a righteous person. Somewhat analogous to that would be the very punishment that was imposed on Moshe for striking rather than speaking to the rock. To further explain this, a lot of commentators say that Yosef's wrong act was that he sought help from the cupbearer. He didn't just ask him for assistance, but he placed his trust in him. The Chazon Ish explains that Yosef may well have been required to make efforts to obtain his release, since the requirement to trust in Hashem does not absolve us from pursuing natural means. But we have to be aware of wildly kind of clutching at straws and foolishly enlisting unreliable allies. Have our palms read? Check out the horoscope? exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Yosef should have realized from the behavior of the cupbearer that the latter was the kind of person who would forget his benefactor when the wheels of fortune turned. Yosef's failure to recognize this was indicative of a desperation totally unworthy of him and suggested a lapse 
in his trust in God. Similarly, the Nefesh Yehonatan in explaining why Yosef was punished, even though we're told that God often sends us salvation by natural means through human beings, it explains that we may trust in man, but only in someone who has earned that trust. Yosef was punished because he placed his trust in an evil person. Quick note from Rabbi Wine. He talks about, in terms of seeing things through a good eye, his grandfather was a distinguished Lithuanian rabbi in Chicago in uh, the early 20th century. Well, anyway, he visited the land of Israel in the 1930s. And when he got back to uh, Chicago, all the Jews were saying, is it true that the pioneers tilled the field without a kippah, without a yarmulke on his head? He answered them. When I saw the land of Israel being tilled by Jewish farmers after 2,000 years of exile, my eyes welled with tears. I therefore was unable to see clearly what was worn on the heads of those farmers. My My friends, let our eyes fill with tears that we see one another in holiness and through the light. Shabbat Shalom and Hanukkah. From Jerusalem. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 